0: Hello and welcome to the Hudson Mohawk Magazine, broadcasting from the Sanctuary for Independent Media in Troy, New York, on the unceded homelands of the Mohican people who are known today as the Stockbridge-Munsee community. I'm Sina Bazila-Hickey. Today on the Hudson Mohawk Magazine, we bring you a holiday special showcasing a few of our on-the-scene rally coverage stories on various subjects. We begin with an Amazon Skodak rally where which roaming labor correspondent Willie Terry attended and spoke with various attendees. Then Mark Dunley reports on the rally where hundreds attended to tell Governor Hochul to shut down the Norlight incinerator. Later on, we have another story from Willie Terry who attended a rally on the day of the leak of the overturn of Roe v. Wade. After that, we hear about the urgency of climate action from Victor Davila who traveled up from the Bronx to Albany to rally on Earth Day. Finally, Andrea Cunliffe was at a clean slate rally to report on why this act is important to pass. 2022 saw a rise in labor union popularity, people to understand what unions are and why they're important, Union efforts have been taking off throughout the capital region and across the country. Our Roaming Labor correspondent covered many rallies. This coverage is from the Amazon Skodak rally in Albany Townsend Park on July 17th.
1: This is Willie Terrence at the uh, Amazon rally in Townsend Park, across from the Social Justice Center in Albany. And I have as my guest uh, the president of the
2: Albany Labor Federation. Hey, this is Ibrahim. Good to see you again, Willie. How you doing? All right, all right. How you doing, Ibrahim? Good. It's a hot hot Labor summer. We're having a hot day out here, but it's uh, uh it's nice and cool in the shade and nice and cool in the uh, the presence of labor comrades. All right. And I'll pull you over here because I want to get your thoughts. You
1: know, as the president of the All Labor Federation on this event today
2: yeah I mean I, I feel like I was just saying to, to Brett one of the workers from from uh, JFK 8 I was just saying you know wow this um, this is a really big event that we had today and it was a lot younger than we usually have so many times when we have these rallies it's kind of like the same old faces and I really think that a lot of the younger organizations a lot of, especially a lot of the left organizations and the folks that have shown up for May Day and International Workers Day and, um, things like that have really have really started showing up in, in greater force and that's super exciting to, um, to actually Like watch a new labor movement, a new labor generation. So, why is it important that we
1: support uh, struggles like this?
2: Well, I mean, I think that um, I was I was reading something uh, actually this morning from Debs that said, you know, we labor should. Labor omnia vincit is the is the motto or the logo of the uh, labor council, which means labor conquers all. And uh, in one of his his speeches or one of his things that he wrote, he was saying, you know, labor should be in charge of legislation. Labor should be in charge of our communities. Labor should be in charge of all of the different elements that you know make up our lives, because we're, because it's really just workers and workers. You know, that's forty hours of our work week. It's the majority of what we do in our lives. And so, um, you know why would we not have that power and why we wouldn't have that power is because you know we've been disorganized we've been disunited and you know we've caused um, we've caused our own demise and so I think that it's really important to support this so that we can start to strengthen our own involvement but our own power um, our own control over our communities our own control over our lives we talk about democracy and yet um, every every aspect of our life is controlled by someone else so I think that when we start organizing workers together we Start seeing that we have power, and that means that we can have control over our lives, and that means that we have a stronger democracy. And I think that that, especially in the United States of America, is is what we were supposed to be built on. And I think that when workers have their power, um, the the community has democracy.
1: All right, thank you, Abraham. Great to see you, Willie. Thanks so much. Willie Terry is still here at the Amazon rally in downtown Albany, at the Townsend Park, across from the Social Justice Center. And I have as my guest, uh, Adam Pelladier, who's president of Detroit Area Labor Council. How you doing, Adam? I'm great, Willie. How are you today? All right.
3: And Adam, I want to get your thoughts on this rally today and why, why it was important. I think uh, it was... Great rally. I know from from our perspective as the Troy Area Labor Council, we're especially excited because this is an Amazon facility that lives uh, or exists within Rensselaer County. So it's just great to see so many different people from so many different organizations, unions community organizations and everyone all out supporting the Amazon workers in um, what is most likely going to be a very difficult fight. So it's just nice to see and hear from them and also for them to be able to, to see what a support base they have uh, in the immediate area.
1: And Adam, uh, in R- R- Mr. risland County, Ristland County seems to be a hotbed of labor organizer right now. Uh, I hear there are other groups that are organizing in Rensselaer
3: County. Oh yeah, it's been um, it's a hot labor summer in Rensselaer County for sure. We've got uh, Joseph's House workers that are organizing. There's an event for them in in probably an hour. That I've got to get to. There's um, uh, Capital Roots just received voluntary recognition. A week, a week or so ago, and there are others that are in the hopper that, that haven't been public yet, and of course, uh, Amazon Labor Union and, and Skodak. You know.
1: So, Adam, if you could uh, say something to workers, let's say workers who are thinking about being in a union or those that are on the fence, what would you say to them?
3: I would say that they, they need to talk to their co-workers and, and make it happen. The only way that. Uh, workers are able to form unions is, is by basically having one-on-one conversations with their co-workers until they can build up a critical mass to either file for an election or to request voluntary recognition. So the thing that I would say is if it's something that you're thinking, thinking about or, or uh, you, ne- you need to start talking to your co-workers about it because that's the only way that it's going to happen.
1: All right, Adam. Thank you, Adam. This Adam Pelladier, who's uh, president of Detroit Area Labor Council. Thank you. And this is Willie Taylor, the Roman labor correspondent for the Hustle Mohawk magazine. Still here at the uh, Amazon uh, rally across from the Social Justice Center
4: in
5: Townsend Park.
4: And I have as my guest...
5: I'm Heather Benno
4: with Party for Socialism and Liberation, Abortion Justice Committee.
5: And Christian Garamond from the Party for Socialism and Liberation's Abortion Justice Committee as well.
4: And I just want to ask
1: y'all a question. Just give me your thoughts on this rally today and why you think it's important that workers support one another, support the Amazon workers.
4: I mean, it couldn't be more important than what we were here doing today. This is, we're headed into, honestly, Black August. We got to think about our history, we got to think about our roots and what's what's being allowed to continue on right in our own backyard. Where we have warehouse workers being injured multiple times a month, people still suffering from COVID, and we see no change, not from this mayor, not from this governor, and not from the White House, honestly. This is a struggle for us all, and this is a women's rights issue. We're going to stay in the streets until we win back abortion justice, and that means standing with our labor sisters.
5: Yeah, absolutely. During this pandemic, Jeff Bezos, all these billionaires have kept padding their wallets, right? But the people who make Amazon work, the workers at the warehouses, haven't seen anything improve. Their lives are still on the line. They're overheating at work. They're getting injured. They're having heart attacks. They're getting all types of health ailments and COVID, um, and they're trying to repress this labor movement, right? Christian Smalls was here today, trying to bring the the energy that was down in Staten Island up here, and we're ready to receive that and bring it home to unionize uh, this this center and keep the labor movement flowing into all areas of life whether it be reproductive rights, women's rights all sorts of issues, we have to unite we have to fight for them together, it's not going to be through the Democrats, it's going to be through us
1: And this is one of the principles of the party uh, for socialism and liberation? Yes, it is.
5: Yes, absolutely we are a revolutionary socialist organization we involve ourselves in every struggle that affects our class, right? Whether it's labor, like we're here fighting for today, women's rights, like we're going to be fighting for this Wednesday at 7 p.m. Uh, People can get in contact. What's that that now? Wednesday at 7 p.m., we're going to be holding a meeting for the Abortion Justice Committee, Uh um, trying to build a mass movement for women's rights and reproductive rights for all people who can get pregnant. And, um, yeah, so basically, wherever the fight for our class is, that's where we're going to be at. We're going to be fighting for revolution because we know that progress for us isn't going to come from the capitalists or their bourgeois political parties it's gonna come from the workers it's gonna come from us uniting and that's what we're here to do all
4: right All right. thank you thank you, thank you. can I read you something really small yeah go ahead Just, this is um, from an article from one of our publications called Breaking the Chains magazine. It's Mm -hmm. a socialist women's publication. And the article is Socialist Women and Union Leadership. And what we say is consciousness is not transformed by experience alone, but we need the intervention of socialist women and women in leadership to be a decisive force to deepen the class consciousness of a wide number of workers. In the words of Elizabeth Gurley, Gurley Flynn, a socialist labor leader instrumental in the Bread and Roses strike of 1912, a labor victory must be economic and it must be revolution- revolutionizing. Otherwise, it is not complete. Okay, all right. All right, thank you, Helen. There you go. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you, Wayne. Thank you all. This to- is Willie
1: Terry, your labor, labor correspondent. I'm still here at the uh, Albany uh, Amazon Workers' Rally. Uh, and I have, as my guest, uh, Doug Bullock, who's a member of Solidarity Committee. And how you doing, Doug? I'm doing fine, Willie. Uh, We had to change
6: our venue here to come over here to Townsend Park from Washington Park because the city of Albany was giving us a hard time.
1: Well, Doug, give me your thoughts on this rally today
6: and why it's important. This is a really important rally. This is a union that has come up from New York City with its leaders, Chris Small, and other uh, executive board meetings from the organization that happened in in, uh, Staten Island, organizing Amazon, and it gave the Amazon workers up here a lot of enthusiasm and encouragement that they do the same thing and organize their um, Amazon labor union in in the uh, Albany, well, it's actually the Skodak Amazon uh, facility. And I think we, we gave it a good shot in the arm today Uh, with all the speakers and all the uh, labor and politicians here.
1: And this is uh, one of the principles of solidarity to support labor struggles, right? This is a principle
6: of solidarity. This was what we were formed on. We were formed on the Greyhound strike back in the early 1980s, and that's how we came about to uh, support unions, and we've been supporting them ever since.
1: And uh, one last question. If you could say something to the Amazon workers, maybe some of those that's on the fence, what would you say?
6: I'd say, don't be scared. Don't listen to the fear. Don't listen to the Amazon Uh, captive meetings that they're going to put you through. They're going to put you through all kinds of sophisticated meetings and trying to convince you that the union is bad for you. The union is going to make you whole. The union is going to give you a contract and it's going to outline the terms and conditions of your employment and you need it badly in Amazon to to, to get a raise and for health and safety issues.
1: Okay, Doug. It's Doug Bullock from Solidarity Committee. Thank you, Doug. Thank you, Willie, and
0: my favorite reporter. That was Willie Terry's coverage from the Albany-Skodak rally in Albany Townsend Park on July 17th. The campaign to shut down the Norlight Hazardous Waste Incinerator intensified on April 30th, when several hundred people rallied at the governor's mansion to call on Governor Hochul to shut down the facility. Mark Dunley was there to report.
1: On April 30th, 250 people gathered in front of the governor's mansion to call on Governor Hochul to deny the permit renewal for the Norlight Hazardous Waste Incinerator in Cahos. We hear from four of the speakers at the rally Alexis Goldsmith of Lights Out Norlight, poet Dee Collin of the Social Justice Artist Collective, Tashika Medina of Equality for Troy, and Kriti Sharma of the RPI Sunrise Movement. Dave Pablo was the MC. We start with Alexis explaining what Norlite does.
7: And what they do is they mine shale and they run it through a high temperature kiln to turn it into what's called aggregate. It's a, con- it's a construction material. But they fire that kiln with hazardous waste and they get paid to accept. And burn that hazardous waste. (laughs) So Norlight got infamous back in 2020 when the public found out that they were secretly burning firefighting foam for two years. Millions of gallons of firefighting foam that contains PFAS, a forever chemical they burned in their kilns and didn't tell anybody. But then, we started finding out that actually they've been violating their permits and polluting this na- this uh, region for 30 years. So it's time to shut it down. That's right. And there's, there's three main reasons why we need to shut it down. Number one, they're the largest mercury polluter in New York State. They're permitted to burn... And emit from their stacks 50 pounds of mercury into the air every year. And there's no safe exposure to mercury. The second reason is that they've been violating their permits for 30 years. They've settled with the EPA and the DEC. They've paid over, uh, they've paid a million dollars in fines. But that money doesn't go to the people who are affected, the people in Cohoes and Troy and Northern Rensselaer County. And that's the third reason why we need to shut it down. We can't let the people of Cohoes and Troy and Northern Rensselaer County be a sacrifice zone for this company. Shut it down. Shut it down. Last year we delivered a letter to the Department of Environmental Conservation that was signed by 122 organizations in the capital region.
8: And our next speaker is Tashika Medina, founder of Equality for Troy, combating systemic injustices and racial inequity in the city of
9: Troy. This is great. I didn't expect to see so many people out now. I'm nervous. But this shows that we are reaching out and good, positive things are going to come from this. Since about the 80s, the Norlites has been a major source of pollution in the Capital District, with no regards to the community that they directly affect. Being the mom and a long-term resident in Troy, I always wondered, how does these hazardous materials affect my children? Also, what it does to the other children in the city of Troy. After doing some research, I became very disturbed. Corliss Park is a housing development that's across the bridge from Norlight in Troy, New York. This development houses thousands of youth and babies of color. I was astonished of my learnings. Our children have been breathing and playing in this uh, fugitive dust for decades. We have no idea what the long-term effects will be on our children. We have no, we don't have any idea what it's going to do to their brain development. And they have stood quiet while we ask so many questions. Norway has blatantly disregarded the community and is now ignoring the DEC in the community that they are directly affecting. This is a form of environmental racism. With that being said, there's nothing else but to say but to shut it down. And with that saying, I would love to see all of y'all continue to work, and let's do it together. We call on Governor Hochul to what? Shut Shut it down. down! So
8: our next speaker is uh, someone that I have had uh, the pleasure and honor to get to know uh, in recent years. Uh, She is a poet. She is a visual artist. She ran for city council in Troy, and um, uh, I helped work on that campaign along with many others. And uh, so without further ado, uh, Danielle Colon.
10: Hey, y'all. So, I got a poem because that's what I do. (laughs) How many breaths does it take to get to the center of shutting down toxic waste incinerators built in the wake of playing children? Their laughter and inhale and exhale of particulates. Tell me how long we are to hold our breath to keep from breathing in poison without penalty, without apology, without acknowledgement, without repair. Become fugitives of the dust disseminating a recipe for dying. Death by a thousand cuts of glass to the lungs. When I was young, I was diagnosed with asthma. I know what it's like to lose my breath. To feel like the next one ain't coming. Like drawing air from a straw. Now imagine one breath, slow and wheezing like a train coming to a stop. Just one inhale, all the muscles in your body concentrating for one breath. But it's filled with dust, and the dust is filled with dioxins, and mercury, and chlorine gas, and arsenic. And I could go on, but I want to know how many breaths we got left. Tell me, how do you escape a burning building when it's your own body? I think they are counting on us losing count of our breaths. When DEC doesn't even care, when families are displaced instead of the toxic waste incinerator that displaced them, when darkness nor light reaps any consequence, it just is. But today, we do not consent nor concede to cancer cells, to coughs, to irritation of the eyes, to compromise abilities to reproduce life. Today, this breath. This breath is a protest to the powers that pollute the places they think no one will care about, think they could make us sick without us being sick of it. But today, as sure as the sun shines, as sure as the sun shines, our breath is still in our bodies. We will be fighting for the air that we breathe, for the water, for the soil, for our lives, To be free of the dust that lingers on our windshields and windowsills. On playgrounds where you can still hear the laughter of children. And the soft whistle of dust filled wind. An open secret of slow death. But we, we are one collective breath. Blowing the dust back. We are one collective breath. Blowing the dust back. How many breaths should it take to shut down Norlight? One. How many breaths should it take to shut down Norlight? One. How many breaths should it take to shut down Norlight? One. How many breaths should it take to shut down Norlight? One.
8: Our next speaker is Kriti Sharma. She is part of the Sunrise Movement. A group of college students that are working towards raising awareness about local climate issues, increasing progressive policy oriented conversations around climate change, and attending rallies and protests in the capital region. So,
11: Kritti. Hello, everyone. That poem was absolutely moving. Can we have another hand? My name is Kriti Sharma. I'm part of RPI Sunrise just across the river. Um, we are deeply, deeply affected and we are so moved by everyone that is here today, and we deeply appreciate that you all are here today as well. So Sunrise, we're a group of college students, there's also high school students around the country, that have realized that climate change is going to affect them before it's way too late. So we are constantly trying to get students who are apathetic about politics, who are not ready to talk about politics, or are ready to attach policy to progressive climate action. We are trying to get them to come to events like this. We're trying to get them to really recognize all of the climate injustices in the area. And um, we were absolutely shocked to see a cancer cluster, to see children suffering with asthma because of climate change just in our backyard. And all of the winds that are coming to Troy, all of the winds that are coming to these college students from all across the country in one area, they're going to soon realize that this isn't an issue that's in some third world country that they don't care about. I encourage you all to be an activist in any right that you have. Heap conversations with politically, apath- <laughs> with politically apathetic people. So I call on Governor Hogel to shut it down.
1: This has been Mark Dunley for the Hudson Mohawk Magazine.
0: That was Mark Dunley's coverage from the rally to shut down Norlight in front of the governor's mansion on April 30th. For those of you just tuning in, you're listening to the Hudson Mohawk Magazine on the Hudson Mohawk Radio Network on WOOCLP 105.3 FM Troy, WOOGLP 92.7 FM Troy, WOOSLP 98.9 FM Schenectady, WOOALP 106.9 FM Albany, and streaming online at mediasanctuary.org. This program comes from the Sanctuary for Independent Media in Troy, New York. If you like what you hear, you can support this program by telling a friend. Find today's stories and more at mediasanctuary.org. The overturn of Roe v. Wade was leaked before it was finalized. People took to the streets in anger and roaming labor correspondent Willie Terry attended the Rally for Abortion Rights at the West Capitol Park in Albany on May 3rd where the connection to Black Lives Matter, disability rights, trans rights, and many more other kinds of rights was made very clear.
7: Champion, speaker of the New York State Assembly,
12: Carl Hastie. Well, good afternoon, everyone. This is a gathering that should not have to happen. This is a rally that should not have to happen. And when we were inside earlier, for the Bipartisan Women's uh, Legislative Pro-Choice Caucus. We have so many caucuses here now. I reminded when I spoke, and I'm gonna give a big shout out to our great chair of of the Higher Education Committee, Deborah Glick. When she debated the Reproductive Health Act in 2019, a lot of our Republican colleagues said to her, ah, this isn't necessary. But it was necessary. And we have to understand that this was coordinated. And I'm gonna continue to remind people, this is why elections matter. From them denying Barack Obama the ability to fill that spot on the Supreme Court. This was planned. When many of the Supreme Court justices they said oh this has already been litigated they had a plan and now we find out that this leak and the chief judge acknowledged the leak and here we are who the hell does the Supreme Court think they ought to tell women what to do with their bodies You know, I'm one that, you know, I've been in this business a long time, and in politics and in life, you get setbacks, you have negative things happen. But sometimes I think things happen for a reason. And I think the reason for us is, I think sometimes in life, we get complacent, we forget that we have to continue to fight, we forget that there's always going to be a struggle. And for those of us, sometimes we move on to the next thing, but we can't forget about those things that we fought for before because there's always people looking to undo the things that we fought for. So I just want to say to all of you, this isn't a day to be sad. This is a day to be recharged, re energized, and rededicated to making sure that women in this country are respected and not told what to do with your bodies.
13: Thank You speaker and thank you to our great leadership across the state for being here to not only say what they are going to do but to put in the hard work to make sure that New York doesn't just stop with the passage of the RHA with the protections that we have here but that we continue to build and make sure that New York is a beacon it is my pleasure to bring to the microphone moose Marquez Ben how local activist thank you so A little bit because during Freedom Summer, as a matter of fact, I'm gonna go back to 2014 in Ferguson. Yeah, okay, yeah, when we said Black Lives Matter, this is what we mean. <laughs>
0: Willie Terry's coverage from the rally for abortion rights in Albany on May 3rd in reaction to the overturn the leak of the overturn of Roe versus Wade which is the Dobbs Act we are in a climate emergency and people are desperately trying to get lawmakers to act I and many other Hudson Mohawk Magazine producers attended the Earth Day rally on April 22nd of 2022, and I spoke with attendees. This focuses on one attendee. On Earth Day, April 22nd, 2022, people gathered in downtown Albany to demand that lawmakers step up for climate action. davila was one of the people who made the trek in from new york city
14: uh, my name is Victor davila i'm a community organizer with the point cdc and a lifetime resident of the south bronx
0: so why come to albany uh, who is listening today
14: uh i think the reason i came to albany is because people al- other people in the movement are listening like the reality is that we are sometimes speaking to the choir and if that's what we're doing then we got to equip people Right? If I'm talking to people who already believe, I need to help make sure that narratively that they understand what they need to say and where their spirit needs to be. Right, These are hard and trying times and they're going to get harder. Like This is the easy bit. right? Getting folks out here, that's the easy bit. Getting legislators to agree, that's a little harder. Getting them to move, that's a little harder. But once we get the funds, once we get the things that we want moving, that's when things become the hardest because that's when we got to take our dreams and our ambitions and make them tangible and so when you remember that doing the thing that we want is the hard part every little failure every little success they change every success is infinite and every failure is a drop in a bucket because ultimately your goal is elsewhere ultimately your goal is too high for you to focus on these little things
0: so how do we get those funds and how do we create Uh, How do we get the policymakers to actually listen to the emergency that's going on?
14: Uh, Weirdly, I think it's about respecting what people show you that they are, right? Respect is not about liking someone. It's about accepting what something is. If you do everything right, if you come with the facts, if you are kind, if you lead with empathy, if you are doing your best not to talk down to people when you do this movement, and you still are met with absolute resistance in the face of their own lives, there's something suspect. And it's okay for you to feel that that's suspect, because it means you have to circumvent them. Right? A wall is, like a door is only as powerful as the wall that surrounds it. If we cannot move legislators, then we build base with communities so that we can get rid of those people. Right? We only have room for people who can be practical about the insane world we live in. Right? We only have room for people to hold positions of power who can actually do it with a degree of competence and self-assuredness that comes with being a level-headed human being who was duly elected. Right? The insane part about all this is that we are begging a woman who was not elected into office to do the right thing for her citizens. That's nuts. I'm not sure. That sounds a few steps removed from monarchy to me. Right? We deserve to have a functioning democracy, and the reason we, the way we do that and how we get people on board is by talking to them like they're humans. Right? We might never be able to reach people in certain parts of the house. Never. They will always have had bad intentions, and they know what to say, but words shouldn't impress anybody. And if that's the case, then we got to talk to the citizenry that put them there. Because ultimately, in a democracy, those are the keys to power. If we fail at lobbying, it's not because we were wrong, it's because something was wrong, because obviously the message is right. When 70% of Americans agree that climate change is an issue, obviously something is right. When we have majority members of the Bronx, majority constituents in the Bronx, agreeing that something is wrong and that Carl C. Hastings has to do something, despite them having only recently ever heard about him because of his scandal involving the Buffalo Stadium, something has to be done. Because clearly, that is someone who does not actually care about the community. So why should they be given the privilege of serving it?
0: Many people don't believe that democracy is actually working. There's a lot of power structures in place. What would you say to somebody who doesn't feel like their voice is important?
14: First of all, a lot of money got spent to get that voice that way, right? A lot of money was spent to try to make that person feel like they were not capable. Millions of dollars. This enfranchisement happened to make that person feel like they weren't capable or or big. And to remind them of that is to bring them in on small causes. If you can get someone to show up to a rally and see that something happened, even if it's small, if you can get someone to help fix a park with you, they are more likely to vote. The instant they feel like they have any amount of control in their lives, they will feel like their, their capacity in a ballot is more so for it democracy is not about whether or not democracy works it's about whether or not we make democracy work and that is a huge difference people just feel disenfranchised so they believe they have no power remind them in small ways that they have power before you ask them to do anything make sure they're okay make sure that they feel cared for because what they're really feeling is unloved infrastructure is language there are kids who grow up in the south Bronx every day who know for a fact by their environment they are hated And if you can make them feel loved and cared for, and if you can help give them the tools to change anything about their environment, no matter how small, they are more willing to take that next step. That's base building. It's just being human with people and saying, yeah, this sucks. How can I help?
0: Thank you so much. Anything that you want to add on?
14: Vote. Like, vote even if you hate it, because the reality is that I don't like voting, and it's not because I don't believe in democracy, it's because it's an arduous and archaic process that should really be handled by an encrypted software, right? Like, it's, it's insane that we have the structure we do in this democracy, right? But at the same time, you're dealing with issues that are so huge and so monstrous, you got to spread them thin, right? The benefit of being the little guy is that you get to punch up. The benefit of being the little guy is that you get to run around with other little guys and spread someone thin. A colony is powerful, right? You start to feel that power when you grew up when you grew up with people. So you vote while you do something else, because so long as you are doing multiple things, something's gonna stick.
0: Victor Davila was also one of the speakers of the event.
14: I am from the South Bronx, the South Bronx for most of its existence has been a poster child of everything that you could do wrong with crony capitalism. We have been burned out, drowned out, harassed by police, and now we are first in line for the chopping block on climate change. That sucks. But I'm also going to tell you something that I don't tell a lot of people in general. I hate that I have to do this work. It's terrible that we have to do this work and that we can't trust people to do their jobs correctly. I am an artist by trade and I also do laboring on the side. I shouldn't have to be here when that's not my job, but it is my responsibility as a citizen to be here. I may not like having to do this grueling work on a regular basis, but it is what I have to do to protect the things I do love in life. I cannot paint while the house is on fire. I cannot be here and stand before people I care about, stand before newer generations, know that I am coming into my role as an elder one day, and know that I am leaving nothing behind for a generation that comes after me. I am an after school teacher on occasion, and to watch brilliant people grow up, to develop them, to help them, and to know that there is a chance that while they may be perfect, the future they inhabit might not be is terrible. But ultimately, the fact that we are here is something. I can sleep at night only because I am doing something. You can sleep at night because you are doing something and it's just what's within your capacity. It doesn't have to be that you are the next ex named activist. All that matters is that you do something. You may not be great at talking to people, but you might be excellent at organizing. You might be excellent at looking at data. You might be excellent at making strong points. Wherever you are excellent, that is where you have a space in this movement. You need to bring nothing but yourself and your capacity because ultimately, at the very least, you bring a ballot. At the very minimum, you can observe what is being done. In a world where Germany is going to be damnly 100% renewable within three years, that is an unacceptable thing to analyze. A country smaller than us with a smaller GDP than us, within three years, by 2025, is going to be doing laps around our infrastructure. That is just competence. It's not a miracle. It's just competence. And if you cannot demand at a bare minimum competence from your legislator, You have every right to toss your ballot in a different direction. You are here because you are capable and powerful, even if you know nothing about this work, because you have the bravery to be around people and to network with people who have more experience, and that is the first step in a long fight. Because ultimately, the little failures don't matter. Ultimately, you keep an ultimate goal in your horizon. We do this till we are free, and every mistake and error until that moment is something to be learned from and then forgotten about. Thank you all for being here, and let's make sure that we are pressing all legislators, pressing Carl C. Hastings, pressing the governor, pressing everyone we need to, to vote for our futures, because they are in the same sinking boat otherwise.
0: Thank you. This has been Sina Bazilahickey for Hudson Mohawk Magazine. There's a lot more climate coverage on our website, mediasanctuary.org, and in there you heard from Victor Davila. On November 30th of last year, a rally in Albany's Capitol Park was held in support of New York's Clean Slate Act. Hudson Mohawk Magazine's Andrea Cunliffe was there to report. The act, New York State Senate Bill S1553D, will automatically clear and seal a New Yorker's criminal record once they become eligible. However, it has stalled in the New York State legislature for the second time in two years.
11: On November 30th at midday in Albany was a rally for Clean Slate legislation for New York. All right, thank you for
15: joining us. Clean slate, it has the overwhelming support of everyday New Yorkers, of labor unions, survivor advocates, faith leaders, reentry organizations, business leaders like JP Morgan and Chase, Verizon and Microsoft. Local government in Westchester, Buffalo, Poughkeepsie, Rochester, Saratoga, Albany, and the New York City area. Clean Slate is a moral imperative, an economic imperative, a racial justice imperative. Clean Slate is a human dignity. As a state committed to equal opportunity and forward movement for all people, we must take action. Pass the Clean Slate Act. Thank you.
16: What do we want? Clean Clean slate. Slate! What do we want? Now! What do we want it? Please, lighten. What do we want? Now! We're talking about jobs in an economy, not just here, but nationwide, where there's a workforce shortage. Right now in the United States, there are 10 million open jobs. There's only 5 million people that are available to fill those jobs. But yet, we want to keep people from getting jobs. And that's what happens if we don't pass this bill. These individuals, these people will not get jobs. And so, let's talk about some of the misinformation that's out there. Misinformation, number one. This does not give anybody anything. It gives people an opportunity. It gives people an opportunity to be judged by on the people they are now, rather than the people they were in their past. That's it. It just gives them an opportunity. It doesn't give them a job. They still have to go through the process. They still have to interview. They still have to do things everybody else does. But what is happening with this legislation is they're gonna be judged on the person they are now. That's number one. Number two. The Business Council and others have worked very hard to craft this legislation to be fair not only to the individuals who are formerly incarcerated but to businesses um, who will end up hiring them. There are safety provisions in there for certain, certain crimes are excluded. Um, if you are fingerprint, if it requires fingerprinting, that's excluded from um, the sealing of records. We believe that this bill is a common sense bill. We believe this bill um, helps our community, it creates jobs, it creates economic development. And finally I just want to say, you know, there's a lot of talk about crime in this country. What are we doing when we're we're not giving people jobs? What are we doing when we're constantly tagging individuals as who they were in their past rather than who they are now? This is why this bill is incredibly important. It's incredibly important because it means jobs. It means economic development. And quite frankly, there's a simple, personal, real reason. It's like, let's take people who have done everything society has asked them to, to do, and let's give them an opportunity. Thank you. Yes,
15: yes, yes. What do we want?
14: Please,
15: do we want it? Now. Thank you so much for coming out. My name is Honorable Mark Robinson. I'm a former council member of the city of Albany. And I stand here as a justice-involved individual. I personally had did eight years in the federal penitentiary for small amounts of cannabis. Now cannabis is legal in New York State. But coming home, it was a barrier for me to get a job. It was a barrier for me to ha- have home. Luckily that I have a family. And what, luckily that we believe in hard work. So what I did when I came home, when I couldn't get a job, I created my own job. But what about those that don't have the ability, or don't have the family, or don't have the resources to create their own? Where did that put them at? And that's why I'm here. I'm here that I think that all laws, you know what I'm saying, should be looked at. I feel that the clean slate should be done. I believe that it should be done now because it's definitely affecting communities of color. And I believe that moving forward, that we have to have a clean slate. We have to look at those that that have been over-policed. We have to make sure that justice is being served, but we have to also make sure that once those that return from incarceration, they have a right. They have a right to live, they have a right to make a living for their family. And that's why I'm here, I'm here to support Clean Slate. And when do we want it? Now! Yeah. Clean Slate, thank Can't you.
1: Can't
17: wait. Thank you for having me today. I appreciate it, my name is Justin Chairs, Vice President of NAACP Schenectady, as well as Head of Shriners in Albany, um, Sit on multiple boards and uh, ran recently for assembly for New York State. And as the young people came in, the energy picked up. And it's cold out here. But I'm going to tell you, it gets real cold for a lot of people who can't get a well-paying job to make sure they keep a roof over their head as we face housing insecurities. And as our youth, as an educator, first and foremost, because I teach general special education, when you make those decisions, and I'm talking to our lawmakers, when you make the decisions to keep people Getting well-paying jobs to create more barriers. You're not just hurting that person; you're hurting their families, because these are our community members. And a lot of legislators forget that these are our community members. No matter what past mistakes they may have made, they're here now trying to do all the right things. They did all the right things, and their home. And we need to make sure that they can keep their home. So when we talk about clean slate and the ability to be able to wipe that clear, seal their records, most of my community members in Schenectady and Albany can't afford expungement lawyers. That's a, a luxury that is avoided to us, right? It's not something that can be done. So this common sense law, because that's what it is, is common sense, gives everyone an opportunity to push forward, to be able to live the life that they deserve because they've already did everything. They served their sentence and they shouldn't have to live this life sentence outside of the place that they came from. So it's with a great pride that I came in today and was asked to speak today. And I don't want to stand in front of these young people. I, I hope the cameras can see these young people and the size that they have because it's important. So if you're a Democrat, as Councilman Owusu just alluded to, and you're standing in the way of this bill and this law being passed into for New York State, you need to check yourself. Any blue won't do. And I implore the people in this area to make sure that your Democrat, whoever it is, in the Senate and the Assembly, is doing what's best in your interests and not for themselves. Make sure that they're fighting for the community as a whole. Every member of this community. Because when you come home, when you're away, you're still a member of this community. So I ask them to hold that. I don't want to keep everyone too long. I appreciate you guys today. Make sure that you hold every lawmaker accountable. And I'm pleased to say that I know my Schenectady City Council members will be looking to pass this bill as well in support of Clean Slate. So I'm excited to get this done. Let's get it through, y'all. Sure. If not Democrats,
6: then who? If not now, then when? What do we want? Clean slate! What do we want? Now! now. What do we want it? Clean
15: slate!
7: What do we want? Now! Clean slate.
11: Can't wait. I'm recording this for radio. Yeah. Could you tell me your name? Uh,
16: Paul Zuber. I'm um, Executive Vice President of Business Council of New York State. <laughs> nice to have you here today. So Thank you, you really believe in this issue. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, second chance legislation uh, or second chance uh, initiatives are a big um, issue with a lot of our members. So we started out working with second chance initiatives. Um, the U.S. Chamber has been a big uh, second chance supporter. And when this uh, legislation came along, uh, we worked with the sponsors to craft legislation that we think... Addresses the concerns of most businesses. We also realize that there is a economic benefit to getting people jobs and getting people to work. And you know, like I, I like to remind people, we're talking about people who have paid their debt to society. We're talking about people who have paid their debt to society and continued to be productive members of the community for a significant period of time. So those individuals, they deserve an opportunity. And I also like to remind people, it's an opportunity it's not no one's giving anybody a job but it's giving them the opportunity to be judged on the person they are now rather than the person they were in the past so i think you know that's why it's important to us there are some clear language in there that deals with jobs that require fingerprinting and jobs that require financial crimes and, and things like that nature that might be problematic for businesses. Um, there's also some liability protections for businesses. But the bottom line is, we've seen this throughout many states, Pennsylvania has a clean slate law. And this is just an important piece of legislation to kind of, you know, get people working. We've come out of the pandemic with a workforce shortage of about 500,000 people in New York and about four million million nationwide. So, four to five million nationwide. So, we need folks out there. We need folks who want to work. And this gives them the opportunity. And then the last thing I'll say is, you know, people forget that you can get your record sealed now. But the problem is, you need a lawyer. And that's expensive. And there's a lot of folks within communities that can't afford that process. So, you know, all this bill is doing is saying, let's judge these people based on who they are. And and it's not sealing records immediately when someone comes out of prison. There's an extended period of time where they have to continue to be productive and citizens within their community before that record gets sealed. So,
10: Brilliant. Thanks so very, very much for your time.
1: Thank oh, you. thank
11: you. This has been Andrea Cunliffe for Hudson Mohawk Magazine, reporting from Albany Clean Slate Rally.
0: That was Andrea Cunliffe's coverage from the Clean Slate Rally back in November. And that's our show. This episode focused on some of our rally coverage from Hudson Mohawk Magazine correspondence. You find so much more on our website, mediasanctuary.org. We have many correspondents who regularly hit to the streets with their microphones to talk to people, what's important to them, to make links between the intersectionality of issues and how many of these larger issues really hit home in the capital region. We want to thank all of our volunteers who contributed to this episode. We have Andrea Cunliffe, Mark Dunley, Willie Terry, and myself. This program covers stories of social and environmental justice produced by the community, for the community, and is supported by independent donations. If you value independent media, consider a gift of a monthly donation as a sanctuary sustainer by going to mediasanctuary.org. We want to hear from you. Find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Media Sanctuary, or send us an email to hmm at mediasanctuary.org. Tune in weekdays at 7 a.m., 9 a.m., and 6 p.m. to hear local news or stream Sanctuary Radio at mediasanctuary.org. Full episodes and individual stories are available on demand and on our website and on your favorite podcast platform. We appreciate you listening. We wish everyone a really wonderful beginning to 2023. Happy New Year.